Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all of the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. While I've got your attention, I'm really excited to announce that Covered Press is now offering its journalist story management software for free for the first 500 journalists who sign up. As a journalist, I know how difficult it can be keeping track of all my stories, invoices, and communications with editors. Covered Press streamlines the whole journalism process and keeps you organized. Sign up at CoveredPress.com today to get one of the 500 free spots available. And now, enjoy our podcast. So we take that emotional reaction of why is it hard to walk across my living room floor? And we relate that back to the mindset of getting outside of your comfort zone and navigating the unknown and have a really powerful discussion around the obstacles that might be standing in your way, both personally and professionally for that company. Welcome to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of the news industry. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Like many journalists, I've covered many stories that were personally invigorating, exciting, and could be described as adventurous. But I would never describe myself as an adventure seeker. That's not the case with this week's guest. Marshall Mosier is the host of the Inside the Adventure podcast. He's also the founder and CEO of Vestigo, which uses virtual reality to connect remote employees for team building exercises, something he did recently for CNN's Emerging Tech Platforms team. Marshall, welcome to the It's All Journalism podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So usually I start off these uh, interviews asking the guest, who is typically a journalist, what got them interested into journalism, and but you're not a journalist. Uh, <laughs> so this is also a way for me to tell my audience, trust me, there's a reason that we're having Marshall on that's applicable to journalism. So for you in particular, Marshall, tell me what got you interested in adventuring. You know, I, I grew up as an only child in Atlanta, Georgia, and I don't know if other only children listening have this uh, same dilemma, but you got to entertain yourself somehow. I didn't even have any pets or anything. So I just went outside and, you know, I would go on as many, uh, you know, adventures through the backyard as, as I could. And that just kind of got me to have this passion for the outdoors and for the natural landscape around us. And when I got into college, that's when I really transformed that initial passion for kind of exploration uh, into adventure sports. And there was this outdoor rec program where I went to school at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, and they would teach students how to do all kinds of really cool action and adventure sport experiences. And the first ones that I signed up for uh, were the caving trips. And I had no idea what caving even mean other than like, you know, I guess you're going to be in a cave. Cool. And it was, it was this really cool kind of combination of hiking, climbing, bouldering all underground in this environment that looks like you're on another planet. You know, from there, I was like, I got to get more into this adventure stuff. And really through the outdoor rec program, that's what empowered me to do it. And I became a guide and would lead other students. And meanwhile, I was studying pre-med at the University of Georgia and realized that I, I didn't really want to go to med school. I didn't really love hospitals. I realized that a little bit too late, maybe my junior, senior year. But I did know that I loved helping people to have these breakthrough experiences in outdoor adventure sports that help them to live a more active and healthy lifestyle and how that related to uh, more preventative medicine than, than really traditional medicine and ended up taking an entrepreneurship class in the last semester of school and, and launched into there. 
I guess we do have a relatable. I, t- I did take a spelunking class in college, so I too had been down in caves, but that oh, was a cool. long time ago and probably not quite as exciting for well, you. part of the country? A- as what you, Indiana, a lot of uh, karst formations, That's right. a lot of sinkholes because it's limestone. You remember the movie Breaking Away? And actually the other relation is that when they filmed the TV show Breaking Away, it was actually filmed at Georgia, Athens. Uh, really? But that's way on the side of, <laughs> of all of this discussion. <laughs> but I am curious, though, before we leave this, what was the career path for the adventuring sports program, the stuff that they were teaching people? Was it like a guide thing or was it you know, some sort of, I don't know, park ranger type program? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it wasn't an academic program. It was part of the um, Department of Recreation. So it was actually in the rec center and it was kind of you know considered one of the like student activities, just like a club you could join. But it was also a student job where this one in particular, they would train you to be a guide to learn how to do the experience and teach others safely. And then they would pay you per trip that you led. So it was kind of a campus job as well as an, you know, an activity. And they provided all the gear and all the training and, and all of that. Most people that were really into it were majoring in something that was kind of natural outdoor related, whether it was, I think, like fish and wildlife or uh, there were some like national, like aspiring national park rangers and things like that. But a lot of students like myself that had absolutely nothing to do with that academically were studying pre-med or engineering that just really had a passion for it. That's actually one of the nice things about going to university is that you you get these other experiences that, that actually sometimes lead to a different life path than, than you had imagined. And sort of, you know, it's something feeding into your interest in adventuring. So tell me a little bit about this podcast. Tell me about what it's about and what made you decide to launch it. Well, the the rest of the story that kind of leads into the podcast is I took this entrepreneurship class in the last semester and realizing that I didn't want to go to med school, but having no idea what I wanted to do. And it was an entrepreneurship elective. I actually did this master's program as well in public health administration. And it was the last semester of that. So it was kind of the six years of you know, three majors and a master's and really absolutely no idea what I wanted to do until that program. And I realized that I could actually go into something that allowed me to use my creativity and kind of entrepreneurial spirit to create something rather than find a, you know, a job out in the job market. And the thing that we launched was a sharing economy platform type website, very similar to like an Airbnb Uber style concept for finding outdoor guides. So if you wanted to go on an outdoor adventure experience in your area and no idea how to do it, you could get on this website and it would connect you with a local guide in your area, just like Uber would connect you with a local driver in your area. And you could connect and that guide would facilitate an experience for you, provide the gear and the knowledge. And that was the first version of what we did. So the podcast was started as a bit of a marketing tool to help people and inspire people to want to take the first step into trying something new. Maybe they've seen, you know, caving or paragliding or whitewater kayaking or whatever on Instagram or Facebook. And they're like, oh, that sounds cool. No idea how to get started with that. Well, it takes that first initial inspiration of being exposed to it to then want to go try something the first time, try something new. So the podcast was really a way to inspire people to take that first step. And what we did was I was really inspired by some other podcasts at the time that even encouraged me to go down this entrepreneurial path versus a traditional path. One of those podcasts in particular was the How I Built This Podcast by Guy Raz, a really famous entrepreneurship focused, yeah, you know, startup podcast. And those stories were super inspiring to me. And 
the interview format was something I really loved. So I decided to start a podcast. It was a very similar interview format, but for people who have done remarkable things in the action adventure sports space, there's kind of three personas. One is, you know, the Red Bull athlete who's breaking records and doing these crazy things that weren't never thought possible before. Another persona is the travel, you know, videographer, photographer, influencer style person who's showcasing these places that you know, have never really been shared and photographed before, you know, on social media and inspiring people to see what's out there. The third persona is someone who started a big outdoor related company. So outdoor entrepreneurs, you know, the, the Patagonias of the world, Black Diamonds, some of those big outdoor brands and the people who started those, both some of the really large ones, as well as some newer, smaller startup ones. And the theme throughout all three of those personas is how did you do what you did that was such an amazing way to combine your passion and your profession and really how you took the first step into doing that and the hurdles you had to overcome. Very similar to that, how I built this podcast, but for the outdoor adventure space. And we got lucky enough to interview an Olympic gold medalist whitewater kayaker as our, as our very first interview. And even if people you know, had no idea who uh, he was, just the credibility of an Olympic gold medalist whitewater kayaker it made it easier for us to get other guests. And before you know it, we're having you know, some of the world's top adventure athletes saying yes to come on the show. And it was really a, an amazing way to open the door to some incredible mentors for us, as well as to share some incredible stories that really inspired people to want to go take that first step in the adventure space. So who do you see as your, your audience for this, for this podcast? It's changed slightly. This was started back in 2016, 2017, I think. So it's it's morphed a little bit throughout the years. But generally, it's it's people who are just kind of getting into the world of action adventure sports and are really inspired by the people who are kind of at the top of, of the game and some of these different activities and wanting to learn more about these people's lifestyles of, of how they got there, what they did to become National Geographic Explorer of the Year, to break that record or to start that company and people who are hoping to emulate that as well. The reason I thought you would be an interesting guest to have on the podcast, which is usually journalism focused, where we talk about all different types of things, is that not only are you producing a podcast, but your business, uh, Vestigo, you also conduct these virtual reality trainings in sort of the HR space. And, you know, HR is not something that we always, I think this maybe even the first time we really kind of talked about HR and team building in relation to newsrooms. And we talked about a lot of different things about, you know, sort of uh, newsrooms changing the way that they, you know, interact with their, their employees to try to, to be more supportive and giving them resources when they're, you know, because many journalists are in, in high stress situations. And it struck me as kind of interesting when I read about what you're doing, that, you know, this would be a good conversation to have about, you know, why you have team building exercises and, and what's your, what your particular take on it is. So anyway, if we'll, let's talk a little bit about Vestigo and, and what you're doing with virtual reality. How did you realize this was something that you wanted to sort of make part of your, your company or your entrepreneurism? It kind of morphed throughout the years, but kind of the rest of the story is, is once we got started, we were able to participate in this startup incubator called Singularity University out in uh, Silicon Valley, this really amazing tech startup program for you know, people who are looking to use technology to solve 
big future challenge that maybe didn't even exist yet. Very future oriented. And the thing that that I was really passionate about when I joined that still to this day, the, the main focus of what I'm doing is using powerful experiences, challenge-based experiences, mostly in the adventure world to help people push through barriers and redefine their perceived limits. And that applies to teams as well, allowing teams to go through a shared challenge that reinvigorates you know, kind of their perspective, creates powerful relationships and creates more of an innovative mindset, a willingness to get outside of your comfort zone and try something new. And outdoor adventure experiences are a really powerful catalyst for that. But I was really interested in how remote teams would be able to create this type of bond with their team when they weren't actually physically together. So we were introduced to virtual reality at the Singularity program, and that was really what got the gears turning in my head of virtual reality being the first type of computing platform that could actually replicate the emotional feeling of an experience, not just watching something and connecting with someone, but actually recreating the emotional reactions that happen when you're in a physical experience that's happening to you in real life, even though virtual reality is a simulation of that. That was what got me really excited to be able to recreate adventure environments for remote teams to have really powerful leadership development experiences through shared experience in these virtual reality environments. And that was what launched the current focus of what we're doing is recreating these really amazing adventure environments specifically for remote team building and leadership development, helping teams to have that innovative, you know, risk-taking mindset as well as stronger connection and collaboration. And there were a lot of companies, especially some media companies that, that were really looking for that. So CNN was one of our first that really gave us a chance, really believed in us. And still to this day, the director of that program is, is one of our really big mentors and advisors. And the problem that, that they were trying to solve was how to get a team to think more innovatively, take more risks, create something uh, new, uh, and think more like a startup and less like a, a larger risk-averse bureaucratic company, which almost every large company has this challenge. And the programs that we were creating were really focused on how to create that innovative mindset. So getting people to get outside of their comfort zone in something that has absolutely nothing to do with work, you know, a shared adventure experience, and then taking the emotional piece of that experience, overcoming this challenge-based experience, whether it's a fear of heights or a fear of small spaces like caving, and then relating that psychologically back to the fear of navigating the unknown, which really is the piece of the innovation process that is the most critical, being willing to take a risk of jumping into the unknown and solving a problem that, that has never been solved before. That was a really powerful first step for us that kind of helped us to prove that that concept works, especially in virtual reality, and uh, replicate that for other companies. So for CNN in particular, do, I mean, could you mind talking about what was the presentation you did for them and you know, what experience you were giving to the, I guess it was the Emerging Tech Platforms team. Exactly. At CNN. Right. The, the team that was really tasked with creating the, the new innovative pieces of the company that uh, really had to, to move fast and adapt like more of a startup team versus a larger company team. And the way that we got started there is that we are a part of the Atlanta Tech Village, ATV in Atlanta, Georgia, which is the tech hub for the city of Atlanta. And obviously, Turner, Warner Media is, is a 
a really big component of Atlanta. And the ATV, Atlanta Tech Village companies, actually on an annual basis would pitch to all the Turner executives as to what they're doing. So 10 companies were chosen from amongst the 50 or 60 ATV to give a pitch to the executives and was kind of a learning experience practice for the companies, but also a great way to showcase what ATV is doing to maybe be able to solve some of Turner's problems. So we were part of that pitch and that's how we got introduced to the CNN team. And at that time we were, we were actually doing a combination of real life adventure experiences and developing our virtual reality experiences for remote teams. This was pretty early on back before VR was really ready from a tech perspective. And that was kind of the prototype that we we made of just leading real life adventure experiences. So we we created a repelling experience with a lot of themes of kind of taking the leap, you know, over the edge of the cliff and then literally, you know, repelling over the edge of the cliff and stepping into the unknown. And there were some really powerful themes between the experience of, you know, in rappelling, it's kind of the inverse of climbing or starting at the top of the rock wall, already hooked up to a rope and you're walking down it instead of starting at the bottom and climbing up it. So physically, it's extremely easy. You're going with gravity, just walking down a rock wall, but mentally it's extremely challenging because you're starting off at the highest point. You have this huge biological fear of heights to take that step down the rock wall into the unknown, having never done it before. Fear of heights also being the number two fear in the US. So it's pretty pretty prolific across most people. And it was a really powerful way to teach that mindset, that theme of being able to jump into the unknown and overcome the, the fear of heights, which, which can be related to a fear of, of navigating the unknown, of you know, fear of not being in control. And then using that to emotionally create a reaction that could then be tied into a powerful discussion afterwards about how that exact same fear is what the team needs to overcome in creating new products and innovating in a you know, new space. A couple of things that happened in that experience were used as examples that the team would constantly reference in their meetings and was a great way to kick off a quarter focused on really diving into the unknown and navigating that new space that they were tasked with with creating. I mean, this is really kind of the core as to why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because, you know, in the, in the last year or so, a lot of people have found themselves working remotely more often. They feel disconnected from other people in the office at the same time because of COVID and, you know, a lot of other stresses on journalists and the sort of push to, you know, make resources available to newsrooms and to journalists so that, you know, to deal with some of the stress that they have, they're having, but also the, the communication issue, the team aspect when, when you've got remote workers, I mean, you know, how important is it to maintain that relationship especially now at the, kind of at the point where a lot of newsrooms are are debating well you know how much remote work are we going to allow and do we lose the team spirit or the the team connectedness you know obviously not everybody every company that you've gone to is a media company but many people found new ways to whatever type of job they were doing they were working remotely because of covid have you found that that's sort of a concern across the different companies that you're you're serving? Yeah, definitely. And if it wasn't a concern, it is now. People are starting to realize some of the challenges that come with remote work. Remote work 
is one of those things that you, even back in 2015, when we went through Singularity University, we could see the trend that remote work was growing. It's on the rise, empowered by technology, being able to cut costs like physical office space and tap into talent that wasn't in that physical city and sometimes cheaper talent all across the world. So we saw the trend of remote work increasing. We definitely didn't know there would be a pandemic that would kind of leapfrog a few years that it made the space take off a little bit faster than it would have otherwise, of course. But that was really the main reason why we we were so excited by virtual reality, because it was one of the first types of technology that could scale not just communication, but really deep relational connection through these shared experiences. And we connect with people through experiences more than anything else. It's just biologically how we're wired. So I think companies are starting to realize and see some of the pains that come with remote work. And that's really what we're there to solve is using VR as a new type of technology to, to alleviate some of the pains of remote work, connect teams on a deeper level, and really help to build that mindset of innovation that's, that's hard to do with completely remote relationships. Of course, VR is, is really honestly not on the majority of people's radars. People just aren't even thinking of VR as a tool for remote work yet. So we are a bit early and the space hasn't really taken off yet, but I think in the next five years, VR really is going to be the next generation of computing, just like you know the computer and then the smartphone. And then in my opinion, virtual reality as really that next form of hardware that uh, revolutionizes the world. So it's getting there. It has the tools to do it. It's more of an awareness thing at the moment. Many years back, I would say probably about five years back, we did have a guest on, actually coincidentally from CNN, and they had just started to use, gosh, I can't remember the name of the technology. It's it's what people, you know, if you have a, an immersive game, I forget what it's called, and it's going to come to me after I I talk to you or after I, after I hang up here, but the discussion around VR was, you know, you know, how do you tell stories in VR? And, and actually a question that I probably should have asked you sooner was when you say VR and you're doing these presentations for group, what is the immersive experience for the individual? What do they need to do? What do they need to wear or what technology is being used? Yeah. So from a tech perspective, we're using the Oculus Quest. An Oculus Rift will work as well, but but mostly people are using the Quest. The Quest is the standalone headset that can be used solely by itself, or you can plug it into a computer and increase the quality of the graphics a little bit. That's the one that's really taken over the market for a couple of reasons, the price and the ease of use. And a lot of companies are actually buying these things for their employees as a tool for remote work. They're buying one for every single employee, for everything from you know virtual office space to being able to you know, conduct virtual meetings to actually streaming virtual monitors in front of you, like you know Iron Man style, uh, in your virtual workspace. And then of course virtual team building and leadership development that we're using it for. And for companies that don't have the hardware, we actually will ship the hardware out to each individual participant for that program in a you know box with a QR code that teaches you how to use it and you know technical support of course and then they send it back to us after the program that's a bit of a temporary solution because we really do feel like everyone will have their own VR headset in the future but that is not a future that exists right now so we do provide the hardware for companies that don't have it but once they have the hardware and they're all in the experience to explain it for people who've never done this type of virtual reality before really think of it like a teleportation machine think of it like when you put on this headset it is Star Trek style teleport 
onboarding you into a new environment and you actually feel that like, like you're there, you see your coworkers, of course, they're a little bit cartoony looking. They're, they're not like completely photorealistic, but you feel like you're there. Their hands are moving in the same way their hands are moving. Their mouth and facial expressions are moving in the same way they would in real life. You can pick up an object. If you're in a snowy environment, like the one that we built, we created this Mount Everest experience. You can pick up a snowball on the ground and chuck it at someone's face. Of course, you don't feel it, but it, it looks and feels real other than you know not feeling a bunch of you know snow as it hits you if, if someone throws a snowball at you or something. And that's really the power of VR is it really feels like you are in the experience and the experiences that we create are recreations of real life places, places that actually exist that you can never take your team to unless you were, you know, I guess you had a really, if you had a really adventurous team, maybe, but like, for instance, we created this Mount Everest crevasse crossing experience where you start at base camp, you hear a speech from an Everest mountaineer that kind of pumps up the audience, sets the, sets the theme. And the speech is exactly like what you would see in a conference where you actually have a person that's presenting on this big screen. And, and then after the speech, you go through a part of the journey of climbing Everest. The first step in climbing Everest is crossing this giant glacier called the Kumbu Icefall, which is a ever moving giant block of ice with lots of cracks in the ice. And you have to get across these cracks somehow because they stand in your way of where you are and where you need to go. So they put these ladders across these giant cracks in the ice, these crevasses, and you have to walk across these ladders. And that's actually one of the most dangerous parts of climbing Everest because it's so unpredictable. Technically, they do this at night because it's the coldest, so it's less likely for the ice to break and move. But in the experience that we built, you're crossing this ladder, you're crossing this crevasse, and functionally, if, if someone were to be watching you doing this, they would see you you know, in your headset, on your living room floor or your office floor, wherever you are, you know, walking in a straight line and, and looking rather terrified to walk across your living room floor. But for the person in the experience, they actually feel like they are on this ladder crossing this crevasse with real life stakes of if they fall off the ladder, they're going to fall into a 200 foot pit and die. I mean, it actually makes you feel that way. And that's the power of virtual reality. So we take that emotional reaction of why is it hard to walk across my living room floor? And we relate that back to the mindset of getting outside of your comfort zone and navigating the unknown and have a really powerful discussion around the obstacles that might be standing in your way, both personally and professionally for that company and the symbolism of the crevasse and what that represents in what the company is trying to accomplish. Well, what is the, what is the feedback that you've gotten from people who've participated in this type of training? Yeah, I mean, the feedback is is really, really positive. So the, the type of activity is similar to if you had a keynote speaker come in who was like Everest Mountaineer talking about their journey and inspire everyone to think differently, you know, and really challenge their perceived limits. But but it comes with an activity and experience that actually puts you in the seat of the adventurer and and that piece is really what companies are really loving it's you know cheaper than a typical keynote and more empowerful than you know more empowering and powerful than you know most experiences that a company could actually do even if they were together in person so it's a really really powerful combination of inspiration and actual physical experience just called experiential learning in the space we've heard just really powerful feedback of you know how it's kind of reset their team's perspective on what's possible, helps people to you know, create deeper relationships in a way that they didn't feel like they had before. And, and the relationships piece is actually a big part of it because remote teams, 
have a particularly hard time retaining people. Oftentimes, a relationship or multiple relationships is what can make the difference between someone staying or leaving at a company. And when you're fully remote, you don't really get the chance to form powerful relationships with your team in a way that might create the same effect as if you were in person. So it, it's been a really great opportunity for people to, to be able to connect in a way that wasn't possible in a remote team before. It seems really positive. And, it, and it's, I like the aspect of it being immersive, that it's got this sort of goal of, you know, involving the person in sort of what the message is going forward. You know, immersive storytelling is something, again, we've talked about on the podcast, but I think can be something that's very powerful. But seeing it used not necessarily as a journalist telling a story, but actually to help, you know, deal with stress, help with team building. You know, I've, I've sort of come around in many different ways when it comes to re remote working. You know, as an older journal journalist, I can look at it and say, you know, I see the advantages. You know, I, I can focus on what I need to do. I can self-manage and do that. But, you know, I've talked to younger journalists who are missing out on the aspect of having a, somebody there working as a mentor or somebody with experience whom they can learn from. So that team element, as we're all sort of working more remotely, is something we kind of really need to be on top of. And it's it's good to see companies, certainly like CNN, a big company doing that. And obviously your service isn't something that that's a right fit for every size newsroom. But I like that it speaks to some of these problems that may be occurring in different types of companies, but in newsrooms in particular, that there are solutions. This is just another solution that's out there. So going forward, what, what do you see as the, the future of your company? Where are you hoping to take it? Yeah, we really want to be the go-to resource for team development for remote teams. And virtual reality is, is just the mechanism by which we're doing that. So right now, all of our experiences bring everyone together in an environment where any you know character you see in the environment is actually a real-life person on the other end. But for any video game enthusiasts out there, you, you know the term non-player character or NPC. That means any character you're interacting with that is not a real human, but it's, it could you know, be perceived that way. In virtual reality, it's actually quite hard to tell if that person on the other that person you're seeing is interacting in the exact same way a human would actually interact, then it's very hard to tell if they're actually human or not. Right now, everyone is, but we want to create an experience where our facilitators are actually AI facilitators that are not actual real-life facilitators on the other end, but they're modeled after real-life facilitators that say and do the same things that they would actually do in real life so that it's an even cheaper and more scalable software program that people can have access to 24-7 whenever their team needs it versus the event style of how we're currently leading. So that's taking a little bit of future technology to do that, but uh, it's the not too distant future. Marshall, you've given me a lot, giving me a lot of things to think about. And hopefully the, the people who are listening to this, a lot of things to think about. Thanks for coming on the podcast and talking about your company and virtual reality. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Michael. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, SoundCloud, google play and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found if you'd like to help us grow our podcast 
like, and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Capre wrote our theme music. Emilio Brust helped with our booking. Steph Thomas is our social media manager. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.